Good morning. I have to introduce myself sometimes when I stand here. So, my name is Philip. Hello, guys. Married to Renee, and uh, I'm part of the extended staff of Willows. And what a privilege to see what God is doing in people's lives. And where's Michaela? Uh, thank you for your testimony. Joe, that's why we're here. That is the reason why we exist, is for people like you. We're not here to be religious, we're here to see people's lives change. Thank you for your sincere testimony. And I felt like while you shared your testimony, that God is going to raise you up to become an incredible evangelist. God's going to use you mightily to save friends' lives. The dark hole you've been in will become the total opposite of a powerful calling of God upon your life, that you're going to see friends around you, life change, and you'll see immediate effect even tomorrow. You'll start to see things around you happening. Your life has radically changed because you surrendered your life. And I believe God is really raising you to start to be bold with what, just sharing your testimony. Stay humble, but share your testimony and share what's happened and be vulnerable because you've got nothing to hide because you've been forgiven. I pray that as we share this morning, and this, this morning is a it's really an important morning. It's going to be a little bit different from our normal sermons where we preach, you know, taking a piece of scripture and we expose it or we take a topic and we actually address that. This morning is our vision Sunday. Now, vision is interesting. It's the ability to see. And it's amazing, you know, last week we went um, down in George and we gathered with a lot of our regional leaders from Southern Africa and seeing what God is doing and what God wants to do, one of the big questions why we came together is not just to unite. For the sake of unity is purposeless. Why are we united? There must be a purpose to it. And the purpose why we gather always, and even as a church, why do we gather here this morning? Why do we gather as leadership? If it ever becomes we gather for the sake of gathering so that we can gather for the sake of gathering, then there's no need to gather. But if we gather because we're mindful of those who are not gathering, then we start to have a purpose beyond our gathering. And if there's no purpose beyond our gathering, you will be tempted to go cycling. There must be something way beyond what you dream and what you think. If it's just, you know, gathering for sake of gathering, then you will be sitting here and you will do business. And on Monday, you continue as is business is. And you just continue as is because there's no greater purpose to why you do business. But I want to help us this morning to understand there is much greater purpose than why we just gather here. I don't know if you know, but in the last two years, our church never closed. We only closed our gatherings. But our church was well alive. It was happening. A lot of things were happening. Things were, you know, we have such a wrong definition of what is church. It is not just a gathering, and I'm glad we're gathering here this morning. And there's a purpose behind this gathering. But the purpose behind this gathering is so that when we're no longer gathering, that there is a continuation of something way more than just us gathering. God is calling us to something much more. It's really my privilege, and I know you won't like it, but to have two of my really good friends, Devet and Mimi, sitting here, no, <laughs> I can't do that. Uh, yeah, they were two of the people that we approached in Stellenbosch in 2007 when we said we wanted to come plant a church. 
We approached both of them. They were unmarried students. Mimi was like a daughter in a house, living there most of the times, asking us questions. The vet, we journeyed for a long time, and they were part of our church plant here. And being part of our church plant, and I'm sharing this for a reason, because I'm going to speak on vision. As we came together as a small group of people, and it's dreamt what God wants to do, what did we see? We saw Michaela's. We came to a city, we saw the body of Christ, and we honor the body of Christ, and we appreciate being part of the body of Christ, and we celebrate what God is doing in the body of Christ. That's one thing we saw. Another thing we saw, we came into a city where we saw a city desperate in need of a Savior. We came to a city where we met many Christians that loved Jesus, but they were never equipped to obey Jesus. We saw many Christians that are inconfident and they are actually hesitant and unsure how to share the gospel. Although they live morally right, they live missionally misaligned. We came to a city that has so much potential, but a lot of that potential ends up in the grave, never being utilized. We came to a city that has the second most embassies in the world. Only Washington, D.C. has more embassies than 20. That makes us responsible for something bigger than just us gathering here today. Why are you in Swanee? Why are we living here? We came to a city, not just draw people from other churches to come to us. That was never our vision. We came to a city to reach those who are not in a church, who are not reaching, don't know Jesus. Those who maybe have given their lives to Jesus, but they've lost way. They are somewhere but not connected, not equipped, and not on a mission. That's why we came. Part of that heart was, at some stage, these two brave people came and said, we feel our hearts, we want to go to South Sudan. And they did, which was an incredible, interesting journey. <laughs> and from there to Kenya, and making a way, and many times we look at what's happened, well, the war broke out in South Sudan, and we would love to have a church there today, which we don't have, but you know what happened? A way was opened up. That people like you, normal people, can do extraordinary things for God if we just believe. God has called every single one of you to be involved. Not one of you are excluded. And I believe as we share this morning, I hope that in your heart will something will arise. There will be something you start to see, the ability to see. When I put you, what do you see? You know, the ability to see something. Now, you can see with your natural eyes, but there is a greater ability to see is when you start to see with your spiritual eyes. Because there's, we will never become a we unless the eyes start to see what we see. What do you see when you see people? What do you see when you walk into a, onto a school ground and you see kids? What do you see? Just kids? When we walk into the campus, what do you see? Just students that are crazy, running around and they become humans after they studied? <laughs> what do you see? What do you see when you hear nations? What do you see when you see business? What do you see when you see money? What do you see when you see church? What you see directly influence how you act. Directly influence how you live. It directly influences how you spend your time, your talents, and your treasures. Matthew 6 verse 22 says, The eye is the lamp of the body. And if the eye is good, everything else gets good. But if the eye is bad, 
it influenced everything else. See, friends, what part of the whole thing, what do we see? The first thing it needs to change, and need, there needs to be a transformation, a revelation that I am limited. I will never see what we see till I am willing to sacrifice eyes so that we can be. The moment one of your body parts start to reject the other body parts, your body goes into dysfunction. A healthy body means all the parts of the body are functioning together. We is better than me. There must be that transition. We are gathering here today to represent those who are not here today. Those who are desperate in their homes today. Those who are out there, down and out, and they have no savior. They have no hope. That's why we gather. We're not just gathered to get information and hear great sermons and actually get pit course. We are not chickens. We are gathering here for a purpose way beyond just gathering. We are the church of God. And we are called by God for something greater. Ephesians 2 verse 19 to 22 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens are with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, with Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him... The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. If you want to talk about the whole concept of what we see, we see an apostolic movement. We see an apostolic culture. We see an understanding of what apostolic is. But first, before we get there, we need to look at the scripture. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. But there must be a bad moment in every Christian's life where we move away from, oh, that is foreign. Oh, are you victory reigning or discipleship? What is that? You see, there must be a place where the church, the body of Christ, you are part of this family. And if you're visiting us for today for the first time, welcome. If you've been visiting us for the second time and the third time, make a decision. You can't be a visitor for life. Somewhere you become fellow citizens, members, people who don't see God's kingdom as foreign, don't understand what, what is this family about. You should know what we're about if you're part of this family. We try to be as clear as possible. Why? Because we are a family on a mission. We're not just a family on a gathering. So way beyond just, you know, let's get together and hope you give your tithe and we hope you have a good sermon and you enjoy the music. Way more than that. You see, it says we are fellow citizens, members of God's household. How do I become a member of God's household? You need to go to the info table and sign some paper. And they never give mind to that paper again. No, there's no paper to be signed. There's a transition in the heart of man. That transition from I to we. There's a place where you realize, I need to go lay down. I need to say, I need to be acquainted. No more, oh, that is foreign. No, I want to know what this is about. I want to know how do I put my heart, my soul, and my whole business and everything into it. We don't want your tithes. That is so short-falling. That's not even a word. <laughs> I want to use short falling because we fall short of, I don't, we, we, the church, God doesn't want your tithe. 
When I remember correctly, he wants your whole life. And anything short of that is insufficient. There's only one Christianity. We call it radical Christianity. The rest doesn't exist. Because you were radically saved by a radical Jesus who radically laid down his life for a radical purpose. See, from this passage, we need to understand, consequently, we become God's people built on the foundation with Christ's foundation joined together for Christ's purposes. That's why we're here. No, but I am. I am what? Are you saved? Then you're part of God's household. There is no exclusion. I do this, I'm this, my language, my th- I'm a business. We are God's people. The first thing that you and I can do before we are pastors, businessmen, businesswomen, moms, dads, just be a Christian. And get clarity to what Christianity means. You see, we are calling about, talking about apostolic so much. Let me explain that. Apostolic means when someone is sent with an authority by someone with a greater authority to establish a community founded on biblical foundations that results in the worship of God. It's someone ascend for a purpose. Now, that's not just just planting. We're going to clarify that today. Ultimately, a community, a missional community that is mindful. The, the thing that got me into this is the same thing that needs to keep me going. You got saved into a family. Now it's your turn to be part of the family that saves others. You see, the worship of God is not about just the songs we sing. This is one of the ways we express worship. But worship is more the lifestyle we live than the songs we sing. We could sing songs and never worship God. But you could worship God and never sing a song. Satanic worship is not about the songs they sing. It's about the lifestyle they live. How much more Christianity? See, we talk about apostolic. It has two main things involved. It is about expansion of God's kingdom, which means what we have, kids, church, it's healthy and it grows. It's about your youth, it's healthy and it grows. Your connect group, it's healthy and it grows. It multiplies. It's not just a stagnant us for no more. We're gathering together for the sake of gathering so that we can gather, so that we can gather next week again. No, there's much more to it. You can only scratch each other's backs for so long, then we start bleeding and then people get angry. There must be a purpose way beyond that. Healthy churches must and will grow, but not all growing churches are healthy. The second word is pioneering, expanding into new territory that we have not yet reached, nations that don't know about Jesus, families that don't know about Jesus, neighbors that don't know about Jesus. It's pioneering into new areas and new ground. See, when we think about apostolic and apostle, apostle is a office, a gift that God gives upon somebody to do what? To help foreigners and aliens to become members and fellow participants in God's kingdom. Apostolic, not apostol. Apostle is an office. It's a gift of something. Apostolic is a people, no matter where they work, no matter what language they speak, no matter what age they are, they start to become a people united with the same thinking. A businessman who's an apostolic thinking businessman. 
a mom that thinks apostolic, where will my kids go one day? A teacher that is apostolic thinks, how do we not just give school kids just education, but we reach them and we actually give them, inspire them for a vision much greater than just what they will get, where they will get a salary. See, apostolic-minded people are a people who think way beyond themselves and their local context. They see themselves as sent ones. Businessmen, businesswomen, are you a sent one or a went one? Sent one means, it means I'm an extension of a body. I'm an extension of a, a, a part of a body. I'm representing a bigger picture than just myself. I have a purpose and a accountability why I am in business or why I'm a teacher or why I'm studying something. I am an extension of something greater than myself. And I have to represent that correctly and accurately. Apostolic means I, you wake up in the morning and it doesn't mean you are paid by the church. It means that you are fully born again and you've started to understand how the kingdom works and you become a successful, not spectator, but a participator. And they say, Lord, I want to wake up in the morning with a dream in my heart doing business for something much bigger than just make money. Apostolic-minded people are mindful of God's kingdom, extension of God's kingdom, and take ownership of it. That results in apostolic culture. Four sayings in our movement that's really defined what you, you change the campus, you change the nation. Martin Luther said, the campus has proven to become the great gates of hell. Unless we diligently labor to engrave the Holy Scripture upon every man's heart. And he said, I discourage every parent to place your child where the Scripture does not reign paramount. There's so much truth in this. May the same campuses become the great gates for many people to come into the kingdom of God. What you study on campus, most movements started on campus. Marxism started on campus. It started with students. It started with young people in the formation of their lives where they start to define what will they do, what will they give their lives to, the value systems before they even married, who they become, and ultimately that sets them on a course of life for the rest of their lives. You change the campus. You change the nation. The government success of the future is today in the classroom. If we don't reach our young people, we don't reach our youth, we will never change the world. The reason why we have over 1,400 campus ministries across the world in every nation is because we intentionally value and go for the students. It's, you don't get money there, we don't care. We get changed nations there. We want to reach the campus because then you change the world. We also believe in every, that every nation in our generation, whose responsibility is it that we know that, that Vietnam serves Jesus, that Somalia knows Jesus? It is our responsibility. God's called us. When you change every nation, generation in every nation, we believe from the youngsters to the oldest. There's no generational, cup in the, uh, you know, generational gap in the kingdom of God. And the last one thing that apostolic saying we believe is you need two things if you want to serve Jesus. Just two things. You need a Bible and you need a passport. Without your Bible, impossible to know God. Without a passport, you're going to battle to really follow God. Now, that's not an ultimate saying, but I want you to understand, God has called us, and you know, these airplanes exist not just to transport people so that the gospel can grow across the world. 
is a way bigger picture that you and I, maybe you can't go, but you can send someone to go. You pray for someone to go. That's who we are, apostolic. We're doing business for that purpose. But one thing that we need to in our hearts is passion. What is passion? It's amazing when you see somebody leading worship with passion. It's like, it's like, who are you singing to? He's like, you haven't met, never met the Waymaker. No, it's like, there's some passion. You see, there's something when somebody leads that you talk about the business, they're passionate about it. You speak about their family, they're passionate about it. I mean, you, you know, yesterday I was at the Billy Rugby, and I mean, look, I was playing. I'm changing a little bit my voice there because I'm passionate about my lighty playing. We all have passions. Passion will influence more people than knowledge. You can have all the knowledge in the world. People will see, will look at your passion and ask, that what you've spoken about, do you really believe in it? How do you see passion? You see passion by what you're willing to sacrifice. It's not what you sacrifice that you're passionate about. It's what you're not willing to sacrifice that you're passionate about. I'm not gonna sacrifice my wife. Why? Because I'm passionate about my wife. I'm not gonna sacrifice my family, even for ministry. Why? Because I'm passionate about my family. How do you see your passion about Jesus? You change the thing. What will the church do for me to a language? What can I do for the church? What will Jesus do for me? Your language starts to change. What can I do for Jesus? It's what you are willing to sacrifice for the sake of something bigger, something greater. If we say, you know, we are passionate, are we passionate about God's kingdom? See, many people are more South African than Christian. Many people are more white than Christian, more black than Christian, more color than Christian. We will never have unity unless we become united about Christ first. And we are Christians. See, we need to be more Christian than anything else. Out of that comes a Christ-centeredness and a kingdom impact, but that's only gonna happen when I is replaced with we. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I no longer live for myself. I don't wake up in the morning and say, how am I gonna make money? I'm not waking up and saying, what must I do today? And how can I make sure that I get enough money so I can have some comfort and some? No, he says, I no longer just live for myself. Thank God God includes us in it because we don't exist if there's not a lot of eyes together. <laughs> but that is when I say, you know what? I exist because I am because you are and we are because every one of us are. We're together. There's a sacrifice involved. Theodore Roosevelt said, never throughout history, as a man who lived a life of ease, left a name worth remembering. What are we passionate about? See, our passion explains our motives and our actions. What are we really passionate about? Matthew 22, verse 37 to 38. And this testimony this morning was just an amplification of that. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. What are we passionate about? We're passionate about the God we serve that saved us. We're passionate about, it's not just passionate about, oh, let's build a building. Yeah, bricks. I mean, thank you. Aircon is awesome. But we're not passionate about building buildings. 
We just use the building because we're passionate about something else. We're not passionate about money. We're just using it to get to the real passion. We're not passionate about you getting in a small group. We have a small group for a purpose way bigger than just a small group. We're not passionate about one-to-ones. We have one-to-ones for a reason bigger than the one-to-one. Thank God for the victory training. But our passion is way more than that. What's the passion? We love God. The reason why we do, the reason why we serve, the reason why people are making coffee when you walked in, the reason why people packed out the chairs is because we love God. And we love you. Do you know that? You know why we wake up in the morning? You know why we're in ministry? You know why we have church and why church exists? It's because you're precious. Because you are saved by the blood of Christ. There is a Jesus who was mindful of you. And you are such a high priority. He died for you. And not just for you. For every single person that irritates you. <laughs> every single person that you look at. Man, I can't believe. Every single person you look around and say, that guy is really, 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 really lost. Jesus died for that guy. You see, we don't get people saved because they tick boxes so they can get into heaven. We reach out to people because we love them. But you can never get there unless you get the revelation of loving Jesus first. Because no human being has the ability to love people around you. You love God with all means, all. If you give me all your money, nothing left. If you love God with all, there's nothing left. See, that's the supernatural act of God. When you start to love God, it changes your life. And when your life changes, your priorities changes, your focus changes, your spending changes, your time spent changes. Oh, I don't have time. It's never about don't have time. It's all about passion. Passion. It's all about what you give your life, what you love. We love God and we love people. And at all costs, we want to see God glorified and people come to know Him. The moment we don't love God anymore and the moment we don't love people anymore, we have no more church. It's not about gifts and ministries. All of that is to serve the God we love and to reach the people he loved. We're all on a mission which creates apostolic passion that exists for those who are not here, that brings, along, uh, 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 that brings about an alignment of heart and alignment of values. You see, when we have the same values, we have the same heart. Without Jonathan calling you, do that. Without somebody, you start to do it. Why? Because your own heart is so aligned with the values that we are naturally united. We are not united because of vision. don't know if you've realized that those who've been with us for a while. We're not major on vision. We major on values. They're not backsliding. They have to go. Okay. <laughs> They're flying. Okay. So we are not. We're not united because of vision. Because all of you have some vision God's given you, and that's great. Have vision. We don't have to have all the exact same vision. But we are not because we have the same values. We value the Lordship of Jesus Christ. means we love and obey Him. We value lost people. We prioritize and spend extra time, sacrificial, to reach them, pray for them. We value discipleship. We don't want to just see people get saved. We want to see people mature and become all God's called them to be. We value leadership. Because we want people to step from the discipling and being a disciple into God's specific call so that you can be people of influence that get onto God's agenda. What is real leadership? 
Real leadership is not just having a vision and influence people. Real leadership, biblical leadership, is we move people away from all their own agendas onto God's agenda. And we unite around God's agenda. No matter where we work and no matter what background we have. See, values brings us together. That creates an apostolic culture. That creates, raise up an apostolic people. When we disciple people, well, back in the days when I walked with the vet and people, I mean, John, way back from day one, it's not just one to one, let's talk about God, but let's talk about God and how God sees the nations. And you know what? You are called to have an influence in the nations. We disciple people into a bigger picture than just getting sorted with Jesus, living morally okay. We're not just serving a moral God. We're serving a God that's on a mission. We're raising up a people that are on a mission, an apostolic mission, that all together in your own way, as a mom, as a dad, wherever you're involved, you're mindful of the bigger picture. You may never go to another nation, but you may raise up and disciple a people who will go. It's not just having Kune groups. It's not just walking with people. It's not just seeing people go through victory training. We want to see people free so we can fulfill God's mission. And people are mindful of that. We rise up an apostolic people to fulfill an apostolic mission. I want you to listen to the next. What's a mission? A mission is, a, um, is, is an important assignment given to a person or a group. When we send you know, Philip and the guys out to Itrech, they are sent ones on a mission to do what? I'm not just to go and do the, I think they go to reach lost people, lay foundations, Make disciples, raise those people so that those people can start to influence the whole of not just Utrecht, but Europe. Hansi and Croatia, exactly the same mission. Kampala, exactly the same mission. The word misodeo means God, the God of missions. Whom of you know who was the very first missionary? It was God. He left heaven, went on a mission to you and me. He sent his son on a mission. He sent his Holy Spirit on a mission. We serve a missional God. Therefore, God's people are a missional people. The church exists for mission. If she's not on mission, the question is, is she still the church? Missions is not a department that we allocate to Harry and his team to go and do. Mission is a theology that we are saved into. It's who we are. For, but I'm a businessman. Become missional in your mindset. Become thinking, Lord, how do we reach the nations? How do I use my skills, my abilities, whatever I have to see nations open up? Why don't, how do we plant church, businesses and things and places so we can get into those communities and create godly culture in those communities through business? Being part of the church, an extension of the church. Every one of us has an exciting journey to be part of. The mission of God, therefore, God's people are by nature called to be missional. The activity is not so much the work of the church as simply the church at work. Since God is a missionary God, His people are then a missionary people. The church without a mission and the mission without the church are both contradictory. We go on mission to plant churches and we go on mission to take the church we planted to raise them. So ultimately, there's something that stays behind after the mission leaves. The worship of God. God's people worry about 
how the world will change the church. But kingdom disciples of God think about how the church can change the world. The world will not change the church. We are here to change the world. We exist to honor God, our mission statement. By planting Christ in the spirit and power of social responsible churches in every nation. And you are part of that. When did you get saved? Think back. How did you get saved? The joy of our salvation. I remember as a six-year-old, I got saved out of fear. Saw that movie, Left Behind, and I was afraid I'm going to be left behind. People say, you can't get saved out of fear. How was I saved out of fear? I didn't want to be left behind. So I gave my life to Jesus. And by God's grace, after a while, I discovered the love of God to not just fear, but I thank God I got saved at the age of six. And you know what happened? Because I was saved at the age of six and grew up in an incredible Christian home, by God's grace, I was saved from a lot of nonsense that I would have got involved in if I was not saved. And even as a saved person, I still needed mercy and I messed up. I know when I got saved. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, I fell in love with this incredible God. I remember so many times at school, some of my friends would have difficulty at home and all kinds of stuff they go through. And I was thinking, when I go through things, I run to Jesus. They don't have that Jesus. At school already shared the gospel with some of my friends and I kind of thought, you weird. You don't want to party with us. You're kind of getting older. You don't want to drink with us. You don't want to. But there's something in my soul that just didn't want to do that. I've never been drunk in my whole life, ever. Not because I don't have to, because I'm living morally right. No, I found something more valuable than alcohol. And that same God has been sustaining me till today. Why would I not love him? Why am I in ministry? It's not because I work for the church. It's because I met a Jesus at the age of six that changed my life. Our salvation should alter our decisions. Our salvation should define our commitments. Our salvation should radically influence our obedience. It's not a must. It's not a work. It's not religion. It is salvation. It's meeting this incredible, valuable God and giving Him everything is almost nothing because He's worth it all. Friends, why do we exist as an every nation church? Why have we planted this church? Why are we here? We're here because we love Jesus and we love people. What is the best expression we can give? Is we want to love Jesus and obey Jesus. We don't want to just be faithful with Christianity. We want to be fruitful in Christianity. But we also love people. How do we express that? We express that by making sure that we don't just facilitate meetings to keep you busy. We express that by being intentional. When you walk into this church, somebody will ask you, are you in a small group? And they will keep on asking you, maybe irritate you. Why? Because we're so intentional about your growth, we will not give up to let you grow. We're so intentional, we've written literally books. We've created a growth path. We literally make sure that we don't occupy your weekends with this conference and that conference and this ministry and that ministry. No, it's very simple in our church. We take people, we put them in the shops, we start to walk with them. We help them become free. Then we equip them and train them so that they themselves can become fruitful. And we make that our main business and the rest is just addition. Very simple, very clear. We're going to follow Jesus. We're going to fish for people. And we're going to fellowship together if we follow Jesus and fish for people. Our fellowship is sweet. 
What do we do when we go beyond this movement? We go to another area. We do exactly the same. We love God. We love people. We reach people. We start to disciple those people. Why do we disciple people? It's because we care about their maturity and their foundations. And not just want to facilitate religious conversations. We want to lay foundations so that you can make it. That you don't have to go through the pain of disobedience. That you don't go through the, the challenges of life. And if you go through it, you have foundations, you bounce back and you still serve Jesus in the midst of your trials and tribulations because you found something more worthy. So I found Jesus through worship way beyond your own challenges. That's why we plant churches. It's not to have another branch. It's because there are people that know, need to know Jesus and they need to be discipled and need to be raised so that they again can fulfill God's dream. How are you involved? Be discipled. As you're being discipled, why don't you start to reach out to one or two people and make disciples? Why don't you allow God to raise you in your gifts? All involved. If just you reach one person in the next six months, each one of you, the church doubles every six months. Just one person. The power of the church is not just, yeah, the power of the church is you. What is our vision? It's not a big picture of how many buildings we built. Our vision has always been you. It's been empowering you, raising you, believing in you. But please, you're going to have to believe in yourself also. We can't do that for you. You're going to have to pitch up and say, Lord, I want this. Father, I pray this morning. I pray that you stir every man and every woman. First of all, how we raise our children so that they will be mindful of the bigger picture. I pray, God, for every connect group and every connect group leader. As we walk with people, may we disciple them into Christ and may we disciple them into Christ's mission. Lord, I pray for every businessman and every businesswoman. May we wake up on a Monday morning thinking like missional business people, not just business people, but business people on a God mission to fulfill a God purpose on earth because we are a God people. We are your people. I just feel my spirit. Many of you have grown up in church. And some of you have joined and said, it's just a little bit different. But maybe this morning God is asking you, are you willing to lay down I so that we can be? Are you willing to say, Lord, no more, just I? You're calling me to be part of a family, an heart and soul, so I can become what you've called me to be and be with the people so that together we can do, fulfill God's mission on earth. You have to contextualize that. What's God saying to you? But are you willing to say, Lord, like Paul, I no longer live. Together we will do much more than individually. Father, thank you for your people. I pray for incredible increase in every area and every field where people are involved. Pray for every teacher, God. May they teach children with a greater picture. May they influence children and have a kingdom effect on children's lives, God. 
Lord, I pray for every doctor. Lord, as they have patience, may they think about God when that patience on their day. Lord, how they influence this person. May every engineer, Father, think about the people around them. We pray for every field in society, God. May we be sent ones, not just went ones. That are extension of your kingdom. Reaching out to a dying and lost world. To bring them into your kingdom and raise them to become the missional people that will go out again. Bless your people, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.